Welcome to the Epic Angels podcast. Every episode, we put the spotlight on one of our portfolio startups. My name is Mikey. And my name is Hester. After the conversation with the founder, Mikey and I will have a conversation together with one of our Epic Angels to reflect on this investment. Today, joining us from Hungary, we are speaking with Dorka Horvat, co-founder and CEO of Booker, the research-based edutainment tool for kids to learn a second language through interactive books. Dorka comes from a publisher family, has a PhD in this space. In fact, she researched the effectiveness of the Booker methodology with quite amazing outcome. And we are looking forward to hearing more about that, Dorka, later. And also today we have with us Anna. Anna is the head of customer success. Anna has been working with Booker Kids since 2016 and has had various roles throughout the years. So you laid the foundation of Booker Class, uh, which is Booker's flagship product, and closed partnerships with many international distributors and NGOs. Currently, Anna is responsible for customer success, making sure that Booker Class's users stay engaged and satisfied on the long term. Very welcome to both of you. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for having us today. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Dorka, you always smile when we see you. There is this, this saying directed to founders that says, uh, always wake up with a smile, knowing that today you're going to have fun accomplishing something what others are too afraid to do. So what is it that makes you always smile? That's a very funny question. Actually, I, I really like this question. <clears throat> so basically, that's my nature. I think that life is simply better and easier when you smile. And it also shows my optimism because optimism is essential in life of an entrepreneur, I think. And fortunately, I got a large dose of it. So I, I can say I'm lucky. <laughs> that is great to hear. But now let's have a look at what you are accomplishing. So um, if it's true what this saying says, if others indeed should be afraid to do what you do, wondering if that is true. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about what Booker does and what it is that you are disrupting? Sure. So we are making reading a habit again by empowering a new generation of readers. So basically we create their own book format, which is a multi-layered video canvas system. You can imagine we can handle multimedia elements as layered in one. So provide a really engaging and fun interactive book for the kids, which can be 100% personal. Like we can personalize the reading experience in 100%. So Booker is an interactive reading-based entertainment tool to help kids acquire better native and or second language skills. So we are in language and the literacy space to provide this more fun and engaging and active reading experience for the kids. So I understand that the way kids learn a language, they do that through a totally different way via Booker than the traditional way because you use technology in a smart way. Yes, and not just that, but also the power of stories. Because stories, I, I truly believe that play a very important role in our early childhood development and in a kid's life. You know, we are reading aloud stories for our children since um, babies, so, so like six months or maybe earlier. 
So it's really a journey for every child, for every kid to live with the stories and being developed by the stories. We are using this very powerful tool in learning as well. So they are just reading and listening a story with us, but in the meantime, incidentally learning new, like new words, grammar, vocab, and definition sentences, everything. So basically this is our secret and also a special power. Yeah, I wanted to get into that. And maybe Anna, this is typically something down your alley because K-12 language learning is a very crowded space. Right? And perhaps some of our listeners who are parents are familiar with like epic books or RAS kids. So what is it that learners and parents love so much about Booker? What is your unfair advantage? Thank you very much. Very good question. Actually, I think that K-12 language learning is not that crowded. Of course, there are reliable solutions out there. Also, there are library applications that you refer to, like Epic and Reskids, but they are actually for native speakers, these library apps. And very few companies combine language learning and library applications. Uh, and this is what we do. Our solution primarily targets educational institutions, but it's also available for families. And what we saw out there is that teachers are happy with Booker because they have an easy to access, curated source of material in their hands with written materials, audio guides, educational games, offline worksheets. So it's a very complex solution that we offer to them and it definitely saves a lot of their time. Learners love Booker because for many of them, it's more engaging than a regular book, especially a school book. Of course, it's a, it's a sad fact, but it's quite true. And uh, we see that they can very easily relate to our characters and story. They really love the games. They get very engaged with the stories and the games. And this way they pick up English grammar and vocabulary without even noticing it. So they just read the stories, they play the games, and then they pick up English language skills. But what I think is very important about teaching through stories is that it's not only about language, but it's also uh, about social and emotional skills and 21st century skills, because through the stories, you can teach about uh, creativity, different cultures, problem solving, empathy, and so on. So that's another very important aspect that we take into consideration. And let's have a word about parents as well. What we see is that they love Booker because it offers a legal screen time for the kids. It's something that's high quality, very reliable. So they don't have to be afraid to give a device in the hands of the kids. And they also really appreciate that just by reading, the kids can pick up these language skills. And unfair advantage, I would say that it's that our company has a very strong publishing background, as you said, and also Dorka mentioned. So it's not only about English language learning or language learning, but it's also about publishing and understanding what good publishing is about. Dorka's family has a very long history in publishing, and we also initially started as a digital publishing company. And uh, once we worked years and years on the format and we refined it and we did researches, that's when we decided to implement this know-how into EdTech. And uh, that's when we started to hire an educational team that is now quite big and has English language teachers, psychologists, children's books editors. And that's how we laid the foundations of Booker Class, which is now our flagship product and serves as English language uh, learning tool. Yeah, thank you. And and I think going back to what you said earlier, so K-12 
kids pick up languages without even noticing it. Exactly. I'd just like to refer to that research that you did, Dorka. Can you share what the actual outcome was of that research? Yes, absolutely. Actually, this research was also a base of my doctoral dissertation. We conducted this research in 2020 with uh, more than 2,000 kids from Hungary, from 34 different cities and villages. So from totally different background of kids. And the method was, was the same. It was a control group research. So half of the classroom uh, worked with static ebooks and another half with the uh, bookerized books, so with booker content, but the, the same text and same visual, but booker is more interactive and we use our method. And after six months, they did the same uh, language test and who uh, worked with us performed 20% better in average than the others. That's the most important result, what I can give you now, but the whole so research paper is more than 200 pages. <laughs> hmm. Wow, amazing. So 20% better learning outcomes from using the Booker methodology versus mm -hmm. static ebooks. Yeah, well, yes. that's, that's quite significant. Yes, that's, that's... Because our, yes, because mm -hmm. our interactive features is uh, working like a scaffolding for the students. So mm -hmm. uh, if somebody has problem with the text interpretation, text uh, comprehension, they can rely to the audio. Or if somebody has some problem with the pronunciation, can also rely to the audio. If somebody is more text focused, they can just use the text. And if they don't understand one of the words from the text, they can also use the animation as a scaffolding. So the animation is really hard to understand the word and the whole uh, meaning of the story. Yeah, they get the full context. I see. Exactly. So, so that is about the product. I think you have managed to build a product that is proven to be effective. But now, in EdTech, I think the key is how to bring it to market. Right? <laughs> EdTech is an industry that is suffering from longer sales cycles than other industries. They add up to three to sometimes even 12 months. So how are you tackling this? What is your sales and your channel strategy? Yeah, it's a really good question. We also learned a lot about how to sell an active product, especially in a pandemic or post-pandemic era. But I think that uh, we found a kind of secret formula how to sell a product in B2B. We are selling Booker Class in a B2B reseller model. So we are always looking for the best local partner on a specific market who has the market knowledge and the network and the customer base. I can say what they can upsell with our product. We can really cut the sales cycle with this methodology and the cash flow wise. We are always asked for advanced payment and minimum sales guarantee. So we are investing in a partner to train them, to support them, to provide them marketing sales materials, to work together as a partner. So we are investing in, they also need to invest in, in Booker. So they also provide us a minimum guarantee and some advanced payment, which is a minimum 20, 25%, but usually 50%. So that's why we could able to be stable financially with uh, opening a new market. But in the meantime, we can also rely on them because they would like to also see the return of investment. 
Hmm. Interesting. Hey, and what is your traction to date? Our last year revenue was 1 million US dollar. This year we're going to double this number. So uh, very likely to reach 2 million. And next year, 2x is the plan. And I can say that we have uh, also 6 million US dollars secured in contract for the coming years. Because as I said, we are signing multi-year contracts with uh, these resellers, distributor partners, channel partners, so we can really build on them, their minimum guarantee and performance to able to plan you know, very safe area. So this is not just numbers in our business plan, but they are secured in 80, 100%. Right. So that is in the next year. So if we look into the next 18 months, and your roadmap in terms of your revenue, your product development, your geographical expansion. What does that look like? We started a market expansion in Southeast Asia. We are currently in an incubation incubator in, in South Korea because we were selected from more than 2,000 startups to a ministry-supported incubation program. So we relocated some colleagues to serve. Anna is also visit them in October. And we have uh, so many advanced negotiations there to be a new distributor, to partner with a new school chain and so on. We really want to open an office in Seoul to have a very strong local appearance in the region. And we would like to also increase our sales team with the new funding to have more regional sales managers, directors. Right now we have uh, one. In, for the APEC countries, Nila Mamir, she is in Kuala Lumpur and managing the whole region. She's wonderful, I can say. So I'm working on to copy somehow Nilam and, uh, and have more Nilam in, for example, in Latam, in the Middle East, in Africa, or um, for the US, Canadian market. Because English as a second language is also a very developing issue and area there. We would like to focus to attack more markets and countries and product-wise, um, personalized and adaptive learning is the key in the 21st century classroom. So we would like to fighting our recommendation system and uh, have a more adaptive assessment and placement test. We are negotiating with many partners. We are working right now with Lexile Mechametrics from the U.S., and we would like to create a new tool together to have a more adaptive assessment for, for Booker class. And personalized learning is also, as I mentioned, is key. We are working on our data culture right now, hired some data scientists to help us to create the best data strategy. So I think, yeah, this would be the most mm-hmm. important topics for us for the yeah. next 18 right. months. That's great. That's very exciting. You started in Europe and now you're in all regions, basically. You are in US, you are in Latham, you're in Southeast Asia and South Korea. Southeast Asia is is quite typical as a region. You cannot just duplicate whatever you've done in Europe or the US because it is a region with a, really a diaspora of languages, government frameworks, and then you're in the K-12 space. So you are focusing on child learning, which brings along some additional complications. Mm -hmm. Now, what we see in in Southeast Asia, language learning solutions are the second most funded category after tutoring and homework help solutions. If we look at the edtech market as a whole. So 
language learning solutions is a relatively well-funded space here in Southeast Asia. Why do you think that is? Yes, actually, we definitely see a high interest coming uh, from Southeast Asia. I believe that speaking English has become a must. If you want to stay on top of the competition, you need it for work, you need it to travel. Uh, I think in these countries, probably even just tourism is super important. Uh, it's needed to make connections, to understand the world around you. And since English is a word language and also the language of the internet, it's inevitable to speak it well for reaching reliable resources, news, researches, to navigate between all the information that you hear. You really need to be able to check your sources. And I think without speaking English, that's impossible. The earlier you start, the better you can pick it up. So children language learning is also very important. And it's really needed to build connections, to stay in touch with people around you. Speaking English builds bridges, and these are the bridges that we need to build in Southeast Asia. And, and these countries are allocating a huge budget for English learning. And the private school system is also a real deal there. I give you a, an example. An adoption rate of e-library is like 20%, 30% in an average school. And uh, we have a school chain in Seoul, Read and Talk, that, that's their name. And the adoption rate is more than 90% there. So they are really, really on the tech products and language learning, and they are investing a lot in these products. So we are also learned a lot from them and improve the product accordingly. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. There's, um, Southeast Asia is really seeing the digital age coming with 60 million people additional having come online during the pandemic. So that uh, gives yeah. huge opportunity for edtech solutions and anything that is sold over the internet. Let's move to your current round. So you are currently raising series A. Can you tell us a little bit about the round, how you've structured it and where you currently stand in terms of commitment? Sure. So our Series A target is $4 million US dollar, and we have term sheets on the table for $2.5 million right now from local and regional investors from Europe. But we really want to include some prestigious international partners to the club, just like Epic Angels and some fantastic ladies from the, from the market and from the space. So there is a room for investing. And uh, I have daily ongoing conversation with German, French and Finnish funds and also a Japanese one to join as a co-investor. We are in the process with full speed and really hope that we can close this round in two months. In two months. So that is towards the end of October? Or, or November. Exactly. Yeah. Already halfway September. Fair enough. How do you plan to deploy the funds? Mostly for sales and marketing and product. So that would be the key. We would like to hire more salespeople and the product wise, we would like to follow this data strategy, what we have also increase the, the developer team. So we need more coders for more features. That's for sure. And we are also developing more than um, 150 books in every quarterly, but we will have some huge opportunity next year to digitalize some big brands content. So I would like to also hire new people for content. And this is also important that not only the tech is our own IP in the company, but the content as well. 
and the content is really the king in the 21st century. I would like to reach 2,000 hooker book next year. Great. Speaking of being a valuable company, do you already have a exit strategy in mind? Every startup has. <laughs> We also, yeah. So I think a strategic M&A would be the most possible option for Booker. We already received an offer this year to buy us. Uh, this came from the U.S., from our publishing giant. So I think that we are on the radar of many publishing houses worldwide because of the format and because of the evaluated engagement, what we have. I think the strategic M&A would be our route in the future. Okay. Dorka, I have one burning question for you because you are quite all-rounded, right? You are, you come from a publisher family. You are a researcher. You have your, done your PhD and now you are a startup founder. But running a startup is nothing like science, is it? In the startup scene, they say done is better than perfect. And which one, I'm wondering, is more like you? Done or perfect? The first question was really good, just like the last question. So thank you, Hester. Um, you know, it's, it's just not easy to adopt this mindset for a super impatient per person who is also super like perfectionist. And we agreed with the team that 85% would be enough. So besides bug fixing and animation fine tuning, we will also have some time for changing the word here, which is also very important. <laughs> It's a good middle ground. Great. Thank you both very, very much. That was very insightful. Thank you for your time. And I wish you all the best. And Dorka, on your way to Seoul in October, I hope that perhaps we can meet in person in Singapore. Thank, now, you, thank you so much. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you, Hester. That was super interesting. Now let's hear from the investors what they have to say about the startup. Please remember, we are not a financial advisor. All opinions expressed by Epic Angels are intended as educational and reflect the personal research and experiences of the team. Susan, thank you for joining us today in the Investor Talk. You're Dr. Susan Chen, and you're currently the head of HR for Riot Games Asia. And in your previous life, you were at Gojek as head of HR International, and you lived all over the world in places like Taiwan, Indonesia, New Zealand, UK, Norway, and currently living in Singapore. Uh, and not only that, you've worked at many startups, but you've also, you are an investor, you're a board member, and an advisor to various startups. So I'm really excited to have you on our investor talk today, Susan. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. And especially both you, Susan and Hester, you're both at tech experts. And that's why I'm extra excited about this, because this is for both of you, the industry that you like the most, and actually that both of you have invested in the most as well. So let's dive in, Susan, want to start with you. What really excites you about Booker? Wow. So I think Booker is in a space where We're really in a time of unprecedented change or transformation, right? We've got COVID. We are thinking about workforce of the future. We're thinking about education inclusion. It is one of those deals that sort of links everything together. And I think what I'm excited the most about EdTech is that it's not just a product. 
is actually about connecting the dots in our ecosystem, right? It connects our fabric of life when it comes to financial inclusion, how that links to education inclusion, how we're thinking about access. What I love is, you know, if you hear in the earlier conversation with the CEO, we talk about language as a bridge to the future. So you're not thinking about learning language purely as a acquisition of a skill set, but understanding that is going to fundamentally transform the skill set of the future, the conversations the next generation could have. So I think just thinking about the impact of work that we're doing in EdTech is what excites me about EdTech and, and seeing uh, Booker as a sort of a great platform that also has great executional uh, sort of horsepower that we have seen in traction so far. So all that combined just gets me really excited. Yeah, their traction is amazing. And that's definitely one of their uh, strong elements. And Hester, how's that for you? You're one of the big EdTech investors as well. Yes, I think what excites me about the the industry in the sector of, of EdTech and what I call future of learning, because I think it's more learn tech that excites me, not so much the education, but more the learn tech. How can you make learning more effective and more fun and more engaging through the smart use of tech. That is what I find exciting. And this is where what I see in Booker as well. It's really like a paradigm shift. So in the olden days, people thought that the world was flat. Now we think that is hilarious. I think pre-COVID, people thought of learning, and especially K-12 learning, as that needs a teacher, you need a physical space, i.e. a classroom, and you need content that is transferred to the learner. That already is outdated. You know, you, you cannot imagine not being able to learn at your own space, at your own time, what you want, when you want it. So this is something where already we've seen a great shift in how we think about learning and how learning takes place. Booker, to this point, provides all the elements for me. It makes learning more fun. It makes it more engaging and it makes it more active. And active learning has proven um, outcomes. Learning outcomes are better when learning is active. And that is what we saw in the research of DORCA, which I think is a very strong element of this. It is research-backed. There are many fun tools in this space, but what it also needs to be effective. And they've proven to be effective, and I can actually see why, because what I said earlier. Yep. Yeah. Plus, the founder is Absolutely. Great. Yes. yes, I did want to add on to, I think that research base is a really important component as, as we see just in general, even in the startup world that we don't always think about the longer term impact that is actually on our consumers, customers, and of course, in this case, the learner base. So I think having that rigor within that research is absolutely what sets Booker apart. And I think will be a key element to continue to thrive and continue to update those research as well. And also looking at the team and the comment that you made, Hester, I mean, Susan, you are an HR specialist as well. So, of course, people is something that you are really focused on. What are your thoughts on the Booker team? I definitely did a bit more stocking, you know, before the podcast to make sure I get everyone's background. I put on my good sort of HR lens. And, and I think the team comes across really strong in terms of one, there there's a very clear passion for the work they do. They sort of specialize in the work they do. I, I remember one of their team is also currently pursuing a, a PhD within the learning space. I think they take learning really seriously. And part of that is also continue to honing their own skill set for learning. 
So I think they have a strong team. I think there's an opportunity to continue to see more diversity within the team when it comes to as they want to start growing internationally even more closely within the sort of the spaces like Southeast Asia, like Seoul. They've talked about how do they start uh, sort of building an even more diversely experienced team. They're able to deliver on some of larger diversification within the international markets. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. And she was talking about a salesperson for APEC, who's based in, in yes. KL, which is uh, right. quite a large region to cover for one person. <laughs> I think when yes. you are in Europe, you may think of like, oh, we, we got someone in APEC. But um, we all know this is a huge, not only a vast geographical area, but also so diverse you need. Um, and that is where I think on the team element, they would really do well, and they are planning this, as I understood, to have local sales partners in each country that they really want to develop. And maybe yeah. they should stagger this, like focus on a few before they move on to others. But I think that's a key success factor that they should do. Otherwise, it's becoming a risk factor to have a local person in each country if they really want to crack this region. Hmm. When we talk about the background quality of team, one thing that they stand out is sort of that really strong partnership engagement with like the yeah. different publishers and ministry. And I think, again, that's a key differentiator and sort of the uh, distribution strategy and really strong B2B reseller model. I think that's also a, a key about this deal to make it a much more sustainable and realistic than a pure B2P, B2C, that kind of scalable mm-hmm approach now what excites me about the deal or the background and the delivery of the team susan what do you see as critical for success for booker for their future hmm so i think one of the critical things to think about is how do we continue thinking about learning even potentially as a community because i think you know to hester's point how do we think about learning for the future right now the way booker as a sort of product it is going to be much more about individual agency so i think there's a lot of great opportunity as to as we continue to thrive and grow the product to be actually growing some of those learning methodology and create a learning ecosystem that will also mean the traction for the product will be even stronger and and i see that will be again another the differentiating factor for what Booker is doing compared to other edtech, where it's much more individualized learning rather than thinking broader around the community that they're actually building. So really thinking above and beyond that individual learning. So I think some of these aspects and also potentially product diversification from a language perspective. I think we talk about English as that second language for learning, but there's a great opportunity and great market for other major languages, I think, in the different region that could really speak to the future learners as well. So it would be really curious to start thinking, how can that be adaptable for the other languages and really open a whole new world of a learning group and engagement? Yeah, they really seem to not be short of a lot of future opportunities <laughs> yeah, when you look absolutely. into that. That is super that is super good. Hester, I know you did a lot of research about EdTech in this region, specifically in Southeast Asia, the region where, where we as Epic Angels are based. And what is that trend that you see throughout the region where you feel like, yeah, that's why Booker is also in this region, specifically in the Asian region, going to be a good fit? Yes. Yeah, as I mentioned in the chat with Dorka and Anna, you see, so if you see the number of attacks in this region, language learning solutions is, is number five from the top. 
But if you look in terms of funding, uh, the amount of equity funding that language learning solutions receive, it's number two. So you see a relatively high amount of funding is going into language learning. Now, why is that? I think in this region, there's two main languages. There's English and there's Chinese. Of course, there's the local languages like Tagalo and Bahasa Indonesia. But with English and Chinese, you come a whole way. So this is why I think relatively a lot of funding goes into language learning solutions. And what we see also where it is the same as all the money that goes into tutoring and homework help, academic results as well as speaking multiple languages is seen as a mobility enabler, right? And that's what you see here in this region. Mobility is very important, more important than in other markets like Europe and the U.S. Now, that's a super important element to take into consideration as well. Yeah, I I really like it. I really love to hear the story indeed of Dorka and Anna, just uh, what we just listened to, and then hear from you as well, Susan and Hester, on you know why why you're so excited about this specific deal in the crowded ad tech space. So thank you so much for your contribution to this podcast. Thank you very Thanks much for having us. We hope you enjoyed looking behind the scenes. The objective of this podcast is to demystify angel investing and to share insights so you can learn more about the world of venture capital. Interested to see if you can become an angel investor yourself? Contact us via info at epicangelnetwork.com or go to our website, epicangelnetwork.com.